Here we go on the five. Four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Need to Know About Music, where tonight we're doing a special episode with my friend Kevin. Say hello, Kevin. Hello, listeners. I realized last time, because this, <laughs> this is my second time, this right. is after my debut, Okay. That I said hello to you, but I already said hello to you when I came over here. I realized it's the listeners oh, I very need to nice. say hello to. Okay. So, right. hello, listeners. Nice. Well, hello, listeners from me as well. I guess I never do that either. Um, special episode tonight. Yep. Because I actually know who we're doing before there's no guesswork, there's no introductions, you, there's no hints or nothing. You I know who we're doing. But everybody else does too. And so before we do that, okay, go ahead. can I start on a tangent? Absolutely. Please. Right. Did you see the latest Rolling Stone top 500 songs of all time? I did. The list. I did. Did you see what number one was? No. Well, I mean, I, I looked at, I looked at the list of changes, yeah. the changes that were made because I'm always fascinated how... The changes of, of where things go and what becomes more popular and what becomes less popular. Right. Yeah. Well, so so, no, I, I, so the way that it was presented to me, forgive me, was not the list, but right. what major changes the, were made. The to big the changes. List. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, well, it, it, so it, it's so, sort of a tangent, but it sort of feeds into what I'm going to discuss with you today. Oh wow. Um, but number one was Aretha Franklin's "Respect." Okay. And I'm curious. I want to ask you because mm-hmm. that is not an original composition. No, it's by not. Her, right. No. It's it's a cover. Can a cover be the best song of all time? Or, do, or, or does, does Otis Redding need to get the credit? How about that? Um, <laughs> I, I actually think it, it, it deserves an asterisk. Right. I agree with you. It's a, I mean, listen. Oh, it's, it's her it, song. It's, it's hers, even though it's right? his, it's definitely her song. I mean, there, there's covers out there, right, that became, yeah. like, like uh, Johnny Cash when he did Hurt, right? Yep. yep. Um, yep. And, sure. and he made the sure. Nine Inch Nails song his own. His Aretha made it her own, yes. without a doubt. Absolutely. But can it be number one? I, that's, that, what that's criteria what I wonder. do they look through? Like, what do they use to sort it? That's the question I always ask. Is it just chart sales? Is right. it popularity? Is it streams? Is it downloads? Is it, is it, like, what do they look at? Because what is their measurement? And do they use people's opinion? Because right. it has definitely grown in popularity throughout the years. And it's, I mean, it's the song she's most known by, right? Sure. And, and it's an anthem, right? For, yeah. for, for women's lib and for all the, the all the things that it stands right. for. Right. Right. Yeah, it's just it, it, it was it was interesting for me to see it at number one. I just am thinking, surprised. you know, can, can and I've do a always cover? said that a cover can never be as good as the original, right? And there's very few exceptions. There, that is one of them. But there's some there are, there's yeah. some that make it hers as one. So, yeah. but anyways, so I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. And also, keep in mind covers, okay? Because that might be something that we end up not might be will be something oh, we end up wow. talking about tonight. Okay. So, okay. Um, but you talk about you already know what I'm going to discuss tonight. I do because. I, this is a band that I, for some reason, it slipped. It, it went through my fingers. It, it, there's a couple of bands, and you and I have talked about this because the last podcast that you do was another that you did right. was another band that slipped through me somehow. Yep. I never attached myself to the Who, and a few other bands. Some came later in life as I grew up, but I never attached to the Who or to this band. That to we're this doing band, today. so. We're talking about the Grateful Dead tonight. Yeah. Now, the reason we're doing it, about a week and a half ago, you and I right? yep. and, and your wife, actually, not, we weren't going together, but we, we just so happened to be going to see the Dead & Company right. here in Florida. Yep. They canceled the show. And, uh, and my wife was devastated because, obviously, John Mayer is playing wow. with them now, and she's a huge John Mayer fan. So, let me tell you, because 
and I didn't know much about the Dead and Company until COVID, actually. Oh, okay. um, because there was a, a channel called Nugs.tv that it's online. And during COVID, every Saturday night, they were showing a free, at least in the beginning of COVID, okay. right? So like okay. April, May, June, right. they were showing a free Dead and Company show oh, every Saturday no night. Oh, so wow. it was a way for me and my buddies who are, who are Dead fans, we'd get on our WhatsApp and we'd text about, you know, watching the uh, the show because we couldn't do anything else then, right? Everything was locked <laughs> down. Was so, yeah. And, you know, John Mayer to me, I was, you know, he, he sings the song about know, daughters. It's a little sappy. Yeah. And the, your body is a wonderland. <laughs> but I got to tell you, <laughs> watching him play with the dead and taking on Jerry Garcia's role, who we'll get into Jerry yep. as we go through this, he, he really is terrific. Um, and He's as good as everyone says. I, I, yeah, I mean. So I, I've followed uh, Mayer's career a little bit from some mm-hmm. of that poppy stuff to some of the more bluesy stuff. He is an unbelievably talented guitarist. He's fantastic. But I didn't know that he had any connection to any sort of dead music. I wouldn't have guessed that in the beginning because part of his career, I didn't think that he would be that kind of a musician. And I didn't know that he would kind of fit in with that group, which I'm excited a bit to understand what this group is all about because I don't know how he plays a role in that. So, Other than being a talented musician. And while I won't get too much into Dead and Company necessarily, but I know that he did he, he did a late night show with Bob Weir. So Bob Weir is, is one of the founding members of the Dead, still alive. Right, right. Um, I want to say it was either Conan or uh, maybe it was The Tonight Show. Okay. But um, I think they met there and they played a few songs and then Mayer just learned the whole ca- pretty much the whole catalog. Really? And... They've, you know, they decided to, to to bring him on and 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 form this new band that that continues on the so legacy you, of the Grateful Dead. You said that he filled the role that Jerry Garcia yes. left as he. Did. So let me just say this to start. I know more about Jerry Garcia, the flavor the, the, of ice cream uh, of ben from Ben and Jerry's, yeah. than I do about Jerry Garcia, the musician, wow. which is horrible for me That's to a- say. But. He filled his shoes? Yes. Okay. So he, he, he right. takes the Jerry Garcia And role. everyone else is kind of still in the band, or the major players are still kind of there? So there's th- three of the original members are, okay. are play in Dead and & Company, and then okay. the keyboardist, the bassist, and then John Mayer is lead guitarist and vocals. Those guys are all new. So that's who we would have saw and your wife would have loved it because John Mary gets up there, he shakes his little butt while he's playing, uh, uh, you know, the guitar and gets on those solos and um, there's a song called Althea that he just absolutely rocks out on um, and just, you know, just jams and he's so into it. Um, probably more into it than he is even with his watches, which really that, I mean, mm. that guy and, and yes, the way he, he knows, knows his watches, his stuff. Yes. he, I mean, he just, he, he knows the dead stuff so well, plays, plays it fantastically. I'm sure there were a lot of guys, a lot of folks like me that, that love the dead that thought John Mayer, come on. But then you watch him he, and he, he's awesome. So, and you're, and you're approved and you're like proud of the fact that, that he, he does a good job and. I was the shoes well. I was so excited about seeing them oh, here, really? you know, a week and a half ago. Yeah, I, you know, and I'll get into my 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 dead experience, you know, live. But um, yeah, so I thought, you know, I was really looking forward to the show, and then it got pulled right out from under yeah. us. But hopefully next year, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah. Um. So all right. So again, we're gonna get into into the dead. Okay. Um. I'm taking a little different angle though, just like I did with the who. You, you yeah. That's um, kind of your thing. I like that. So let me ask you another question. Have you ever heard of a podcast called Analyze Fish? No. Okay, and analyze fish, fish like the band fish. Right. Now, I know fish, and I know they're a bit of like in that same category as the Grateful Dead, right? Right. Yeah. So it was a podcast. It was two comedians or slash comedy writers. One okay. is a guy by the name of Scott Ackerman, um, who does a comedy podcast called Comedy Bang Bang. Yep. Um, and then the other guy on it was a guy named, by, by the name of Harris Whittles. Harris Whittles, was a, he was a writer for Parks and Recreation. Okay. A really dry sense of humor. Um, you know, just a funny kind of offbeat, quirky sort of guy. And he loved 
loved fish. Okay. And his whole goal with Analyze Fish was to try to get Scott Ackerman to, to like, like uh, the band Fish. <laughs> okay. And so what he would do, um, you know, he, he would uh, basically, he, he, would, he would try to, he would play him a song from each, you know, from each show or, or, or a different show and just go through it and, you know, doing all sorts of funny things along the way, but basically trying to get Scott to like it. Okay. Didn't work. So <laughs> is that the goal here? That, so, well, so no. So I know you're not a fan of the dead. Okay. So I'm going to take a little different approach than Harris did. Okay. okay. Um, one thing, my goal is not to get you to like the Grateful Dead by the end of this. Okay. But hopefully, have you earned some more respect or yeah, at least fair. Some more knowledge about yeah. about where they come from? And, and and you did that with the Who. It's right. not like I came away going, oh my god, they're the greatest band ever. Right. I came away with, I learned a lot. And I now have some of those songs right. on my playlist. Right. And I, I and I even texted you. I told you I went down a, a rabbit hole at night listening to their live performances, right. live at Leeds, like you told yeah. me, and then another one that was live at what did I tell you? It was like um, Isle, not Isle, Isle, Isle White. White, Isle White. Yeah, unbelievable. Like, and then the, I read the story about. Like I really went down. They didn't go on to like two in the morning. They played right. for like three hours. It was just like unbelievable. They just went off. That's incredible. I'm glad I you would did have that. never done that. Right. And I would have never, even if I had stumbled upon it, I would have never appreciated it until after I learned what you taught me. So maybe I won't be a dead fan, but right. I'll definitely appreciate what they do. Because here, are the do you want to know the two things that I know? Okay. Uh, other than Cherry Garcia, right. the that's one the flavor. Yep. Okay, that's one. Yep. Number two, didn't they do something amazing in maybe the late seventies with their sound setup on the stage? Didn't they do or, or, or pioneer some sort of massive stage presence where they really wanted you to hear them live, right? But they wanted you to hear them in a certain way, dynamically or sound wise. And there was something that they did with the speakers. It was like like three or four. Stories like, like, like stacks of you're stacks right. of stuff. Right. Yep. Those, those are the only two things. Yeah. That I so know. they. I That's mean, th- their shows are. You know, th- I mean, they're, they're built to be a live band, right? Okay. And so, yes, the the whole you know sound presence that they had. There's a big thing. And remember, every show for the most part. I mean, not not for the most. Every show is taped, and there, there's a recording of it somewhere. No way. Yeah. So and why, the whole thing. The whole thing that? was trading bootlegs, and oh. you know, um, I think they just wanted to get the get the sounds out there and they knew that they would get the people to come to the shows if, if you heard it on the, oh, you know, the cool. like tape or whatever it was. Were they more so, like a grassroots kind of band? That's v- how it's Very spread? much grassroots. Okay. Yeah, I All mean, right. you didn't hear very many Dead songs on the, on Never, the radio, right? No. And now, unless you have Sirius XM and get the Grateful Dead, right. you don't hear much <laughs> yeah, about it. So, yeah. um, so again, yeah, so maybe earn a little bit more respect for them. And then okay. the other thing, you know, because when, when Harris would play the Fish songs, Scott Ackerman didn't know any of these, okay? Didn't know a single song. So, I am not going to play you a single original tune from wow. the from the band, okay. What? Instead, I'm going to play you the common covers that they did and still do. Even Dead and Company still does some of these today. From no concert starting the late '60s. Oh, this is great. And then again through through today at Dead and Company. So let me say it back to you. You're not going to play me any Dead original. I'm not playing works. You an original work by the Dead. I'm going to play the songs All that right. the Dead yeah covered. covered. Okay. And show you the roots of this band I and how diverse, very well done, and 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 you know just the the breadth of material um, that they were influenced by. Okay, and uh, you know so we're, we're going to take it from there. That's uh, pretty. Uh, cool. How's that sound? That's really fun. Okay, because I do have some questions specifically as we go along that I want to like learn about. Like, let me just plant a couple of seeds, if I may. Sure. How I don't know the makeup of the band. Okay, is it five, six, seven guys, two guys, four guys? I don't know. We'll Two? go there. Okay. What's their 
obviously I, I know them as like a jam band. They yep. would go on and on and on and on and they would find these almost jazz like improvisations kind of along yep. the way. Right. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Are they really that talented? Like, is their musicianship, is their musicality amazing? Or were they just good at what they did? Like, I, I don't know the, the and, and maybe that goes into the last question, which is, what's the draw? Like, yeah. is it the festival occasion, like a yep. Jimmy Buffett party where everybody goes not so much to hear the same songs that they hear over and over and over again, but for the camaraderie and the, is it that? Why? Why the draw? So I, I'm going to answer, I Sweet. think, everything that you asked. Okay. okay. And if I don't, make sure to remind me and, <laughs> okay. I'll, and, and I can oh, touch on anything that, 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 that my and uh, And lastly, wait, okay, sorry, as, where are you on a, maybe a, say, a scale of one to 10 or novice, advanced, pro, and like ridiculous... As, as far as a deadhead is concerned. Like, are you a t-shirt wearing, like, tie-dye? I, I almost wore... <laughs> I have two dead t-shirts. I almost okay. wore one over. Okay. Um, okay. I, you know, it's funny. As, as I did this, I thought about, am I a deadhead? Um, and I I don't know because I was, you know, you'll, you'll learn I only went to see them once. Okay. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I was part of the whole... You know, uh, it's culture. like a, it's, it's like a lifestyle, right? It's yeah. a whole culture. But then I think about the lyric from uh, Don Henley. Okay. You know, yeah. So a dead head sticker on a cat on yeah. a Cadillac. Yeah. Yep. Voice in my head says, yep. "Don't look back. You can never look back." So, you know, I think that culture that was there in the late like '60s that. and '70s. You know, those people became yuppies. You know, like, like our parents and driving Cadillacs, and so. Yep. But they still consider themselves deadheads. Okay. Right. If, if the criteria is, do you love the music? then I'm a deadhead without, you know, without doubt. Do I know, you know, uh, but I would not say, like, I don't know them as, as intimately, I would say, as Steely Dan in terms of, the, like, all the ins and outs. Um, but love the music. I consider them probably one of my top five favorite wow. bands of all time. Okay. I would argue that they're the best American band of all time, but I know I get Whoa. a lot of pushback. I, yeah, I wow. know. I know. I would, I need to learn a lot more right. to even put them in a category like that. But wow. I think okay. part of it is, again, I, you know, and I listen to them frequently. Um, Do you? Yeah. You have it on... Yeah, hanging out like now. You know, in my pool on the weekends, I will put on a show and just sit there in the pool for you know because most shows are three four hours. I won't sit there that long in the pool, but I'll listen right, to right, a good, right. at least the first set, right? Wow. And it's just it, it, it's a great you know that that jam goes on. I'm relaxing in the pool. I got a drink in hand, you know, on the side, and it, it, it it's a whole vibe, man. It's great. Where do they lie on the spectrum of like? Is it a Pink Floyd performance or is it a Jimmy Buffett? Perform- like, are they all hanging out? Like, is it a, it, what, what kind of Yeah, it's, it's much more Buffett. It's not a, um, you know, Spectacle. pyrotechnic, yeah, right, right, uh, right, you know, okay. real technical show. It, it's them, again, with, with, with a great speaker set up, and so the sound is excellent. Yeah. Um, but they're just jamming, man. They're just, you know. Uh, okay. All right, I'll shut up. All right, go. You, they're you, just cool you, dudes. All right, go ahead. So, all right, we'll do a quick background here. So, the Grateful Dead formed in 1965, November of 1965, in Palo Alto, California, and they start off as a, their name was The Warlocks. No way. However, there were already two other bands, or at least one other band that was that was using the Warlocks name that was that was recording, and the Velvet Underground actually started oh, as the Warlocks on. as well. And Lou Reed uh, heard cool. the same thing, so they had to change. So oh, that's really cool. Very quickly, they switched to the Grateful Dead. Um, there's six principal members from the beginning. Okay, okay. there's no, here's my so first question. Jerry Garcia, right? Who's the lead guitarist and vocals? Bob Weir, who's the guy still today that that is now yep, sort of I the do front know man. that name. Uh, he's the rhythm guitarist and okay. and vocals. Um, you got Ron Pigpen McKernan, who okay. was the keyboardist. <laughs> okay. And those first three, by the way, I'll, as we do the songs, I'll get more into um, sure. you know, kind of their background. Uh, Phil Lesh was the bassist. 
Um, and he, he did vocals on a few songs, wrote a couple of songs. Um, and then there's not one, but there's two drummers in the Grateful Dead. What? Always has been. Um, and that's Bill Kreutzmann and Mickey Hart. That alternate or no, play on the they same, play, they same play time? Same time. So Bill, Bill is your traditional drummer, okay, doing, keeping the traditional beat. Mickey Hart is usually doing an 11 count measure in his head as he drums. No way. And he, you know, the he does. The Allman Brothers messed around a little bit with stuff like that. It's just, I think it's a similar. Two, two yep, drummers. Yep, yeah. similar sort of setup. And Mickey is not playing with traditional drumsticks. He's got more mallet style stuff and he's wow. got all the other percussion stuff. So he does kind of everything, um, even though he does play the drums as well during most of the songs. He'll do all the other, you know, uh, Kind of weird percussion stuff as, oh, uh, wow. as the band goes okay. around. So, so they were they were two drummers set up. Six guys, two drummers. Got it. Six guys, two drummers. So, um, all right. So, like I said, I'll talk about those first three members in a little more detail as we play the songs. Okay. Uh, but they start out as a, as a psychedelic band. That's you know that that was the whole hate Ashbury, you yep. know San Francisco. Sure. Um, and I'm gonna play you here real quick. This is this 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 will be their one. Uh, like original? One original. Okay, fair enough. This is off their first album, kind of their first hit or first single that was, re- that was released, just so you can get a, a okay. sense for what their sound was. Like 65, 66, this is 1966. Okay. Um, this is called The Golden Road. This isn't the full key jamming section, right? I never heard this song, obviously, but I would tell you, I think I could guess the approximate date. Right. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, again, that, yep. that was kind of yep. their first hit. Okay. Um, and then, so the Dead would evolve, though, in just a few years to a band that's really, it, it's hard to put a single moniker on what kind of band are they, right? right. I think the closest thing you can say is jam band. Okay. Um, because, and, and, you know, they, they are heavily, obviously, a live band, and they play really long jams on, like, probably every third tune as they're, as they're at their concert, right? These aren't, you know, three-minute songs. Right. 16, yeah. Yeah. 20, 45-minute jams, man, and they just go. <laughs> And, and, and improvise. Um, but see, but these songs that they play live, okay, they draw from rock, they draw from country, they draw from folk, the blues, bluegrass, maybe even a little jazz, a little gospel. Um, so the covers that I'm going to play for you tonight are going to show how they kind of form their overall sound. Wow. All right? Now, do those songs, are they scripted that way pre-show? Or do you feel like they go... A little bit of improvisation in the shows it, to, to sometimes get 17, 18, yeah. 20, 30 minutes. It's, I think it's almost all improv- Im- improvisation. Oh, okay. Okay. And the other thing is that no dead shows alike. They're like snowflakes. Okay, They do not play the same um, the same set list ever. Wow. That, that includes to this day with with uh, with Mayor with, and the- with, with Dead and Company. Wow, yep. no way. But um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it you might not hear the same song from night to night. That's how that's how varied wow. they're they're playing this. So awesome. Okay. Um, all right. The first one I'm going to do here. This is we're going to start with the blues. Okay. Oh, perfect. And you'll notice that when I when I play the songs, I'm always going to say where the song was from, like like which which okay. which concert was, okay. what the date was, because that's how that's how the dead fans kind of recognize. You know. Oh, no way. Yep. And so this that's first, how you guys kind of categorize or catalog the music. It, it, it is. So this. <laughs> That's this, pretty cool. This first song is called Good Morning Little School Girl. Um, it's from a blues artist from 1937 called, his name was Sonny Williamson. Okay. Um, and the version I'm going to play for you is, is Two from the Vault. 
Uh, that's a concert from the Shrine Auditorium, August 23rd and 24th, 1968. Wow. And, and let me give you a quick anecdote, because okay. this, this kind of talks my first real exposure to the dead. Um, you know, growing up, I mean, I basically knew, like, Casey Jones. Do you know that song? No. Trucking. Trucking, I know. Okay. Um, and was probably most familiar with this song, which I think you'll probably know. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if yeah. you watch MTV yeah. In, the, yeah. in the late yeah. 80s, sure. right? Wait, wait, wait. Let, 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 it run. let it run for a second. Yeah, of course. Right? Yep. Wait, wait. And the hook is... Um, Give me, give, me, give me 10 more seconds. There's a sense of oil covers now. I'm leading off with two originals. Sorry, I, I, uh, uh, oh. Go ahead. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. So this song is Touch Gray. Yep. Um, and this was played on MTV. So I think that that's how a lot of us got exposure to the de- people our age, right? Yep, sure. Um, it was on MTV and, you know, had the, the skeletons or whatever that's drummed right. you know, towards that's the end, right? right. So that's right. So that's basically what I knew about the dead prior to, um, after high school graduation, Okay. Um, I drove up with seven, seven buddies, including our mutual friend, Jason. Okay. Uh, we took two cars. One was his Dodge Aries <laughs> K station wagon. <laughs> no Cobalt blue, right? <laughs> Um, it was kind of like a teenage deliverance trip for us because okay. we went up whitewater rafting in the South Carolina mountains. Um, of course, luckily there were no violent rednecks yeah, you know, right. trying to assault us or anything. <laughs> but, um, you know, we drove the station wagon up there and uh, like right about Gainesville, um, we had a, either a flat tire or like an oil leak or something. So we had to stop in Gainesville uh, off Archer Road, as a matter of fact, in the service center there. I think it was a good year. Okay. Um, so we're waiting for them to repair it. Well, while we did that, my, one of my other buddies, Pete, we went to the Walmart that was there, and he bought this album, Two from the Vault, because it, it came out right around that. It was like, I think, 93 or 92, maybe, that this came out. This was 94 when we did this trip. Um, so he bought that so we could listen to it in the car. Um, he also bought a pack, a 12-pack of Bush Light because he had his brother's ID, <laughs> so he was able to do that. So while we're waiting for the, you know, for the car to get done, we're drinking the Bush Light, we're having a good time. We get in the back of the station wagon. We're laying on top of all the, uh, all the luggage, driving up to South Carolina, and, um, and he played this CD. Two from the vault. No so way. this song, Good Morning Little Schoolgirl, is the first song okay. on Two wow, from what the Vault. There we go. Okay. All right, it's time to either stand up, sit down, and shake your leg or go for yourself, because the grateful dead are here. <laughs> Lucy, right? Very. Great intro. If you told me this was the dead, I would have said no, right? Never. No way. Live show from 1968. So actually, let me cut up there because they, they jam for about two minutes. So I'll, I'll get into the to the singing here in a second. But um, so the the guy that sings on this is Ron Ron Pigpen McKernan, who I okay. talked about earlier. Yep. yep. Okay. So he, he's the piano player and the keyboardist of the band. 
Um, he was definitely the biggest blues-influenced player of okay. the band. Right. Um, and so he, and you'll hear a lot of that bluesiness in the shows from 1966, 1972. Now, why did it stop in 1972? Because Pigpen, his nickname, like a fair number of rock greats of the era. Oh, no. Died from alcoholism at 27. No. Yeah. So, and by the way, keyboardist in the dead, it's a little bit like the drummer in Spinal Tap, okay? <laughs> because after Pigpen, you had Keith Godshow. He took over in 72. He died in a car accident in, oh, in 1980 no. at 32 years old. Then you had Brent Midland. Uh, Brent Midland. He died in 1990 um, from a drug overdose at 37. Oh, geez. Then you had Vince Welnick died of suicide um, in 2006 at 55. There's only one keyboardist that toured with the dead that's still alive today. He toured in 1990 and 1992. So again, he's still alive and he's a famous keyboardist outside of the band. Huh. You have any idea who that is? No, I would have no clue unless you're, is it possibly Michael McDonald? <laughs> <laughs> now, Only because we covered that. Now, now, now that would have been a good uh, full been circle, great, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, oh, let me who, think. Wait, let me think. Should I know? Uh, who, I'll give you at the end of the eighties. Who was one of the most famous piano slash keyboard players in, uh, in in rock and roll? More soft rock. Soft rock. He wasn't jazz. Peter Gabriel. No. I don't know. Bruce Hornsby. Oh no way! So Bruce Hornsby played with them in nineteen ninety and what? Yep, and uh, and, and then nineteen ninety two. And, and so he toured with them for for two years. And then he would play like later, just like in guest spots and that sort of stuff. So, no way. That's right, pretty let cool. me bring you to the to the singing part here. Right. This is Big Ben singing. Very blues. So they're taking your typical two-minute blues jam or song, right? Yep. And then, let me move you ahead a little further here. Yeah, how far do they go? Because this song, this song overall is about 16 minutes. <laughs> but do they all take a turn? Do they all kind of like, how do they do what they do? So right here, here's Jerry. Come on. So this is Jerry jamming out that guitar. Good was he? I'll get into okay. t- t- some of his legacy and, okay. and his accolades. So, like, just give you a little sense. So, so you know, he's he's gonna well done. he's gonna jam like that for you know the next five or six minutes. Um, you know, they may do a little. Phil might do a little bass, uh, you know, improv- improvisation for a little bit. Um, they'll they'll go long stretches in songs where they just do drums. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that, you know they they, they they do take some turns, but Jerry and usually the keyboard parts are do most of the solos in in the jams. Wow. So, um, all right, so that's that's kind of the bluesy okay. roots. Good. All right. By yeah. the way, really cool song. Like it's a great I could song. listen to fourteen minutes of that yeah. or whatever it was, yeah. no problem. Um, all right. The other thing that the dead really does well is the roots of rock. Okay. okay. All right. One of these times I want to do a fifties Mount Rushmore. You know, the, the, <laughs> That'd be great. Right. Who, who's awesome. on Mount Rushmore from the 1950s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do, do we do, only do that get the, do we only get the four? Listen, <laughs> we can do whatever we're, we want. We're only supposed to do three songs on here, right? <laughs> I, mean, so I, don't ever, I don't ever keep to that. <laughs> um, all right. So the next song I'm going to play from you, this is from a roots of rock, uh, artist. Okay. And let's see if you can pick up on oh, sweet. who make this it, is. Making a quiz. 
And then this is from Red Rocks Amphitheater. Oh. Uh, July 8th, 1978. This is the first song of that show. Left my home in wow. They did this. So it's originally a Chuck Berry song, but I yep. think a lot of people know it as an Elvis song, too. Ah. Who's singing here? This is Bob Weir. Bob Weir. Yep. And, and one of my favorites. And listen, there's a very good chance we would have heard this with, with that company. Really? Yep. He plays They still do this. Yeah. Yep. So that is, of course, the Wait, let it, let it, let it run for just a second. One of my favorite Chuck Berry songs. Great, I want to hear some of these bills. You know what? They're very, they're very clean. Mm-hmm. There, there's no distortion. There's right. no like loud over the top. Like they're just very clean. Yep. I wouldn't have guessed they would do this song. This is really cool. Yeah. Again, it's, it's definitely a staple of the dead. Really? And was for, okay. for years. Okay. I mean, and still is. Um, all right. So Bob Weir, again, the rhythm guitarist. Right. He's still alive. Uh, again, kind of the heart and soul now of Dead and Company. Um, he sang almost as much as Jerry did, I think, on songs. I think they, they switched off enough. I mean, we'll, we'll hear some Jerry songs, too, obviously. Okay. Um, and he wrote a fair number of the dead oh. songs. Uh, he was the guy, he, he kind of best exemplified the roots of rock stuff, um, and also country and western. Okay. That, that was kind of his, his background as well. So we'll, we'll hear Bob blues, here again later. The, okay. So yeah. He, yeah, so Bob. They each kind of brought a little bit of different flavor to the jumble. Absolutely. Okay, so so Pig, Pigpen was definitely the, the bluesy guy. Bob Weir was the rock and, you know, kind of in the country and western stuff. Um, and, you know, he is in great shape now at 74. You guys would have loved seeing him up there. I mean, it's amazing. 74 years old, this guy, you know, he, he does like his whole workout regimen like wow. two months before the, the show start to get him <laughs> to get to get him ready. Yeah. And I, he's 74 now, but I swear to God, the guy's going to play until he's 100. That's so. awesome. Um, all right. Let, let's do one more Roots of Rock. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And let me play this one. Will I get this one? Is uh, it something you, I could possibly guess? Or you no? should. Oh, boy. But we'll see. And so this one, this is from Cornell University's Barton Hall uh, from I love the fact they recorded 8th. all of these shows. May 8, 1977. Every show is recorded. Every single one. And what percent are available for like for you to get? Go on archive.org. And they're all there. All there. Oh my. Uh, maybe not all. But okay, right. Got it. By the way, this this recording from or this whole uh, concert, this is in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. So this Cornell this, show, no yeah, way, one of their most famous shows. So is this one of those I need to like, like I, go down the rabbit hole and I, listen to? I this, would recommend this is the one Cornell okay. from, from Cornell. 1977. Right, I will yep. make note of that for sure. So all right, so they're gonna jam for like two minutes here. You got it yet? What song it is? No, I honestly don't. Okay. Cut forward here. Go ahead. Buddy Holly. Yeah. 
Holy smoke. So, and listen. that's more than roots. That's old. That's, that's 55, 56. Right. So again, Holy Chuck, smoke. Chuck, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, these guys were huge. That's huge a fans. third of the speed. Right. Right, Fate, right, that, right. Buddy Holly's version is, I, I, that's why I didn't pick it up. Holy smoke. So Buddy Holly's original tune is two minutes and 21 seconds. We were already at two minutes and 21 <laughs> seconds, and they were just they were Holy just singing smokes. the, right? That's why I didn't pick it up. That's such a jam in a Buddy Holly song. Holy smoke. That's awesome. So let's, All right, yeah, let's, 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 let's say you hear the jam here. Yeah. So this this is 12 minutes in. Again, this song is 60 minutes and 20 seconds. But here they are just jamming away. They, the other thing the dead do a lot of is that they'll play a song and then they'll go right into another song. So they kind of start oh, really? blending the two themes. and, and Start picking and up on the themes of the next yep. one and then just eventually get there. Yeah. Oh, and Not cool. Fade Away is a classic one for them. And so they'll, they'll start Not Fade Away, they'll go into a whole other song, and then they'll go back. Oh, really? And revisit. Oh, I like that. So that's Okay, cool. You got me on that one. Damn. All right. All right. Um, Wait, just as a digression, yep. would Buddy Holly make your mount rump? Mount Rushmore, one hundred percent. Both you would, but both the guys that that I just played would Barry and Holly. So okay, all right. I have a, I have, I I understand why you would say that, but he wouldn't make mine. Chuck Berry would for sure. We're we're, we're talking, we have to do this. We're gonna do okay, that. We're gonna do that podcast. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So yes, we got There's somebody that likes that kind of that decade <laughs> of music. I'm so excited. All right. Uh, all right. So the lead vocalist, uh, you know. Uh, that, who was on this tune. So Jerry was singing on this tune. Okay. Okay. Um, and he's the guy I consider the most important band member. Yeah, why? I, why and is I, th- he I think a lot of I think a lot of deadheads do. Um, well, first of all, let me just let me talk about Jerry. So Jerry was born Jerome Garcia in San Francisco in 1942. Okay. So one of the founding members yep. and the lead guitarist. He's the principal songwriter. So oh, okay. of the original stuff, he wrote again, Bob wrote some songs. Jerry wrote most of the, at okay. least some of the biggest stuff Jerry certainly wrote. Um, and like I said, he probably took a slight majority maybe on the vocal uh, jobs. You know, and his, his guitar playing is distinct. And the more you listen to him, the more you'll pick up on it. Okay. Um, something that's because he was missing uh, about two thirds of his right middle finger. What? Yep. So, and he plays right handed. Um, but, Whoa. Uh, you know, I, <clears throat> that's hard. Yeah. Uh, but a big part of, of his unique style is just his ability to improvise, right? I mean, he, he has kind of that jazz mind as it relates to it. And just, he can he can jam for, you know, five, ten minutes That's at a time and, and just, you know, is able to, to bring out that great sound on those solos. Love it. Um, so we talk about accolades. You ask, you know, how good mm. is he? He's ranked 13th on the all-time guitar list is by he Rolling really? Stone. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, way the up more there. you listen and the more you get into him, I think you'll you'll hear just how good he really was. So oh, that's cool. Uh, even though he wrote most of the music, the songs themselves, Robert Hunter, a guy by the name of Robert Hunter, was his Bernie Toppin, so to say. Got it. So he did most of the lyrics for the songs um, that that all all those deadheads like myself, you know, belt out to this day. So, um, <laughs> but I feel you know, remember how I felt about Pete Townsend? Yeah, being the heart and soul of the Who. It, I, I got the same for Jerry. Okay, and the dead okay. again because he wrote the songs. He was the main guitarist. He yep. was like the he was the guy, and that's and I think most deadheads will tell you the same. You okay. know, some some love Bob Weir, and trust me, to this day Bob Weir is now fantastic. Yeah, um, but 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 Jerry for me is pretty much the guy. So, I got you. Okay. Um, all right, let's go to the next genre. Okay, uh, we're gonna do Motown now. We're gonna do Motown. We're doing Motown. Let's see if you know this one. So this is from Harper College, in Binghamton, New York. Eight, uh, excuse me, May second, nineteen seventy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, 
dancing in the street. Listen how mellow and cool it is, though. What year? You said 1970. How about those harmonies? Yeah, really nice. If you said you were going to come here and play me that cover song by the Dowsett, they didn't do that song. There's right. no way they ever did that. That's fantastic. So this one, another 16 minutes on this one. <laughs> huge, huge jam in the middle. Um, Wait, so were there records like this too? Their actual album pressings? Like, no. No. The albums so, did not have the jams in them like this. So they were like proper singles, like four-minute songs, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a few that are a little bit longer, but no, not, not, you know... Not like this. Not the extent that they do in concert. Nothing like it. And that's why, you know, the... So they're two different bands in a way. The, re, the, re, the recording sessions band was very different than the live performing right. band. Even though it was the same guys. It wasn't, so, right, no, wasn't, wasn't like the wrecking crew. I didn't mean it that way. Right, right, right. I didn't mean it that way. Very nicely done. But, like, it was a different song. It was a different experience. Correct. Four minutes versus 16. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and, and again, but they're known for that, for that live side. Like their, their, um, uh, recorded albums are not nearly as popular Got as, as okay. other live Okay. Stuff. Okay. So, okay. um, okay. Now we're going to do another version of this one. Okay. From, from the Cornell show. So this is also dancing in the streets. Okay. Listen to this one. Listen to how they change. So Cornell, remember we're in 1977 now. Yeah. A little funky. Wow. Yeah, Totally. Disco, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Oh, I like this nice little bass line there. So that's Donna Godcho. That's Keith Godcho's wife. So the keyboardist at the time, that's his wife that does backgrounds. Yeah. So, and I don't actually, I, I like the original better. I should say the, the one you played first. The one I played first. Um, but this particular version of the disco era dancing in the streets is pretty darn good. Yeah. And again, this show is all excellent. So. And how long do they go on this one? 16 minutes. <laughs> I mean, have you ever just played one song on stage for 16 minutes? It's not no. easy. I, I mean, and, it, and, they, and they do multiples, right? Unbelievable. In the same show. Unbelievable. And then again, go in and out. Go back to the song they were playing for 16 minutes after they Absolutely played another incredible. one for 12. Okay, okay. So, all right. So, that that's the Motown side. It's very okay? nicely done. Jerry was definitely rooted in, in the Motown side. Okay. Um, all right. Let's do a little Atlantic Soul. So, so kind of oh. classic soul. Oh. In fact, in the little black Corvette, was the Atlantic Soul Classics disc in there by It may chance? have been. Okay. Yeah. So you, you should recognize this song. This is from San Francisco, California, February 4th, 1970. Is this Midnight Hour? You got it, buddies. You can't, that, that, that beginning is tough to make. Wow. This is Pig Pen on vocals. Wait, which concert is this? This is from. Uh, 
Family Dog at the Great Highway, which was the name of the venue, in San Francisco, California, on February 4th, 1970. No clue they did any of these songs. Not one. Big Pen was soulful and bluesy, man. Big time. I really like this era of the dead. 70, 71, 72. Probably my favorite. Wow. So, again. Oh, that's something I'm going to check out for sure. I like that a lot. Shows the soul side. All right. Are you ready to hear the folk side? A little bit of folk. kind of. Would it surprise you to know that they love Bob Dylan? No. It would not surprise me. If anything, if you were going to say what covers would you play, I would think it would be mostly that kind of stuff. You got to do one. So let's do this one. I'm sure you'll you'll figure out what it is. But they put a little bit of psychedelic spin on this. This is from 1966. Ooh, early. P&E Auditorium in Vancouver, Canada, British Columbia. Gosh. I'm still amazed by the catalog of live performances you have access to. This is actually uh, a second... When, when, they, when they re-put out their first album, I think 50-year anniversary, this is the second disc. And oh, it's, no it's a live, It's all live stuff. Yeah. You must not take what you need wow. This is Jerry. Whatever you wish to keep, you'd better Oh, wow. Do you know it? No. One of your favorite guys covered it, too. It's coming here in a second. I genuinely don't know. Don't know. It's it's all over now, Baby Blue? No. I genuinely don't. So that, I'm embarrassed to tell you. That's I know. okay. So that that's the that's the Dylan to Dune. It's all over, Baby Blue. Wow. Um, but again, they do a lot. There's a lot of Dylan stuff they do. In fact, in 1989, Dylan toured with them. So they toured together. No way. Dylan dead. And there's an, there's an album or a you know a CD, I guess, right? With some of the cuts, you know, from from those Get shows, and it's great. Yeah, Dylan sings on most of the songs, um, but there's a couple that Jerry does. But even though, yeah, that that's a little more psychedelic in that sound, they would get much more folk-like, you know, a, as they went along throughout their career. Okay, um, and Dylan was a huge reason why they, you know, why they got into folk. Were so, they big fans of Dylan and big huge, fans of folk? Okay. huge fans? Right. Huge fans of Dylan. So, all right, um, that's folk. Let's how about a little country? Okay, okay. Um, there are a lot of influences on the countryside as well, but this is probably one of my favorite. Um, country songs that they did and let's see if you know this one this is from Fillmore East in New York wow. uh, New York New York yep. April 27th 1971 definitely not the most famous cover of this song no Bobby flagged the diesel Again, though, down. so clean of a version. Yeah. But you can hear the country tinged rock. For sure. But they don't play into it. They don't make it a country song. They make it I theirs. I harpoon out of I'll Come before a little bit here. Freedom's just another word for Nothing left to do so That's Bob on lead vocals, though. Nothing ain't worth nothing 
but it's free. That's well done. That is really well done. And feeling good was easy love when Robin sang the blues. I want. I know when I studied the Fillmore East, I know they did like 40, 50 shows there. At the Grateful right. Dead. They oh, played yeah. a long, long time. There. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one of their versions of me and Bob, Bob cool. McGee again, which yeah. they would play often throughout the seventies. Yeah, wow. Um, I don't, I can't remember if I've heard them do it with Dead and Company. I'm sure they have with Dead and Company because Bob likes to play it. Um, but yeah, that's the Chris Christopherson original, mm-hmm. me and Bobby McGee. That of course Janis Joplin Janice, yep. is, is, is much more famous. Hers might be the definitive. That's a good right point. Yeah, like, we talked like, about covers, like like Aretha and Respect, Janice and, and it is and definitely me and Bob the, McGee, the right? definitive version. Yes, yeah, for so, sure, for sure. All right. So we've done a bunch of different genres. Well, you've, you've really given me covers that I never thought, one, they would ever the play, and, they, and two, that I would ever think that they would know. Like, I just didn't think it was their style of music. Well, my goal is to really surprise you with this one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now uh, we're going to get to a cover okay. that I heard in the only dead show that I ever saw. So let really? Talk, let, me, let me talk a little bit about that. So okay, 1995, yeah. I just finished my freshman year of college. Okay. Um, this is in June. My great buddy Shatner, who you've met, yep, um, he was the biggest Dead fan that uh, I befriended in school, and probably to this day is still the biggest Dead fan that I know. Really, um, hun- he had hundreds of CDs back <laughs> back in college, hundreds of, of all of shows, right? Wow, uh, bootleg stuff, you know, stuff that that, that the recording uh, labels actually put out. Um, he pretty much had he had all the studio stuff too. Um, so I listened to a lot of different shows that first year in college. So if, if wow. I first love started loving the Dead right after. You know, high school was over, and I took that trip. Um, fell in love with them basically in, oh, that's uh, cool. you know, in, in that first year of college. So uh, he lived in Cleveland then. I still live down here in Tampa. Um, he wanted to go see the Dead show in Pittsburgh that summer of '95. Um, I convinced my folks to buy me the ticket, fly up, and go attend you know a Dead concert. So it was June 30th, 1995, at Three River Stadium, okay. home of my beloved Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> and Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, so we got to the parking lot about three hours or so before the show to tailgate. Okay. Um, so Shatner, his buddy Dave, and I were drinking our college staple, Natural Light. Yep. Um, and just taking in the atmosphere. So again, three hours beforehand, there's parking lots packed. Sure. Um, and it was a scene. Yeah, right? I bet. Uh, so there were guys selling nitrous oxide balloons <laughs> walking around. Um, there were tables just stacked with like hash and pot brownies. Um, you know, VW vans or VW buses everywhere, I'm right? Sure. Yeah. Everywhere. I, I kind of picture that hippie culture. Yeah. T- totally. So, and then right. I remember a girl. She looked like a cuter Tina Yothers. Remember Tina Yothers yeah, from yeah, Family, yeah, Ties? Yeah, Family Ties? But Tina doesn't listen to this, uh, no. to this podcast, you think. Okay. So, but, uh, but look, look cuter than Tina, but same, same sort of look to her. Tall, tall blonde girl, long golden braids. Um, she had a leather headband or, you know, yep. walking around yelling kisses for puddles. I think it was puddles. I could be wrong. I'm sure the the dead fans that went to all shows like, no, you idiots, muddles or whatever. But I think it was kisses for puddles. Um, and <laughs> but so I had to get some of the seasoned dead fans around us to translate. Like, what what is she yeah. talking about, right? Um, because we're three preppy suburbanite kids uh, going to our first dead show, right. and so we found out what what she was doing. She was offering a kiss in return for a hit. Of LSD. No way. So I got no smooch because <laughs> the best I could barter for was a watered down, you know, cheap lager that I, she wasn't going for, I'm sure, right? right? No. Like, if I didn't have you, the, you, the puddles or yeah, whatever. You wouldn't yeah. get a high five for that. Um, I think it's the first time I ever heard 
of, of vegan things when I was there. So really, there was you know yeah. like like vegan leather you know goods right. Yeah. So synthetic leathers, vegan sausages, vegan, vegan barbecue, even ve- vegan chocolate chip cookies, stuff that we all know today, right? Right. I'm like, sure. What, what is all this? Um, well, you're talking '95. That was right. unheard of then, for right. sure. Yeah. I'm thinking ah, chocolate chip cookies. How are they not already vegetarian? Yeah. You know, Figured out, hey, no, no butter. That's the big thing. So, you know, so for those two and a half hours, you know, before the show, um, we just spent. It was, it was. It's a, like you said earlier. It's a festival atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and so just a terrific experience. There were tons of people that didn't have tickets, right? They were just there to participate in, in that in this whole you know festival yeah. going on around it. Um, and there were a lot of folks traveled to every single show um, to, to do this. This is what they did. Unbelievable. So let's get to the show. Um, you're going to play something from the 95 show? Um, yeah, no I, I, way. I, so we finally get in there, and the first set was terrific. Okay? Okay. Me being a neophyte, um, you know, there, there, were, there were some good tunes that were in there. Um, they played a cover, and I'm not even going to do this one, uh, of Al Green's Take Me to the River. No way. In, in the show, yep. It was in the, open, in the opening set. Um, then they go to break, okay? and the sky suddenly gets really dark. Okay? Storm clouds are rolling yeah, in. Right. Um, and when they came back out, the ominous sky was still lurking. And they launch into this cover. Let's see if you know this one. Okay, uh oh. What a great setup. By the way, one of those woos, I think that's me. <laughs> I'm actually more of a yeah guy. Yeah. <laughs> more of a yeah guy, not a woo guy. How cool is it that you can find. All right. favorite band. Stop it. You heard a second. Oh wow. No way. They did this just because of the ominous clouds okay. too and the whole thing. Come on. So they break into rain. No. Way. All right. Right about here. All of a sudden the sky just no. opened up and started pouring. Oh, that's really cool. Pouring. People were going nuts. We were under an overhang, but the people that were um, like in the in the general mission pit yeah. area, they're dancing around like whirling dervishes, man, no. with this playing. Um, it, it, I mean, the water's just pelting them. The band's jamming out. It. Put it back on for a second, okay. please. That's really good. I mean, so it was such a cool scenario. Oh, that's really neat. But and, So here's the thing, is that then after that, they played one of their classics called Box Rain. Then they played a lesser known tune from them called Samba in the Rain. Stop. And then they finished it out with one of Bob Weir's best tunes, Looks Like Rain. And about two minutes before Looks Like Rain finished, the rain, the no, rain stops. Stop. Absolutely. Oh, that's really well. I can't done. make this up. You, you can look at that, that accounts on that. That's yeah. really cool. Are they that's that's really slick. That's smart. Right? That's cool. I don't know if I'm more impressed with that or the fact that they just adjusted the second set specifically to fit the environment like that. And, That's and, so and cool. Four, and played four, four songs that about included rain. the word rain. Brilliant. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. So it's really cool. Listen, they clearly appreciated the Beatles, as, yeah. as, as most bands did at that sure. time, right? Because this is just one of, one of a handful of tunes they would do. Blackbird was a common one. Oh, really? Revolution. Uh, Day Tripper. Hey Ooh. Jude. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they, they definitely did their... Uh, 
their Beatles stuff. So holy smokes, um, that's that's really cool. So the show, listen, the show was it was incredible. Um, Did you walk away? It was just an, an absolutely bigger fan and appreciate all that they do live and the whole deal. Huge, yeah. So um, you know. Shatner and I were so amped up after the show <laughs> that we hatched a plan that we were going to tour the dead <laughs> the following summer. Okay. Okay. After our sophomore year, this was our plan. We're going to, we're going to tour the dead for at least a month. Drive from place to place. Yep. Probably gl- grow some dreads. Yeah. Big beards, you know, ditch our new balances for Birkenstocks. <laughs> buy a used VW bus yep. and just fit, live fit like, right bo- in. live like bohemian deadheads, man. Um, what should sh- these people do? when they follow them around literally they just go place to place yeah. and live out of their vans and just parking lot to parking yeah. lot and just yep just chill yeah and that's obviously that, that's not everybody but that, that's no, the, hard, I mean, yeah. the hardcore guys yeah so that's what we wanted to do I'm sure my parents would have been hugely supportive of that right come on oh for sure so yeah, they, would, they would love that um, yeah hey mom and dad you're paying <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. ridiculous money for me to go to college yeah, yeah, and right. instead of getting a you know some sort of internship to help maybe earn the investment back <laughs> I'm gonna go tour with the dead the next summer um, but you know what? Six weeks later, our dream quickly died. Jerry Garcia checked into a rehab clinic in early August. So about oh, four weeks no. later, a little over four weeks later, and he died on August 9th, 1995. No. Of a heart attack. So all the years of drug abuse and other hard living caught up right. with them at just 53 years old. Oh, wow. So the grateful- 53? He was 53 when he died. He looked a lot older. Um, definitely, you know, he- he was hard living, without was a doubt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all, every drug under the sun, right? Was in rehab many times. But, um, but yeah, so he passed wow. away, and that, that, that was it. Next year, I, I ended up getting an internship and uh, you know, becoming a productive member of <laughs> he society. He ruined everything. He did. But um, you know, the Grateful Dead died with him, too, though. So because every other inter- iteration had a different name. So after he died, they retired the name the Grateful Dead. They were first became the other ones. Oh, I didn't know any of this. And then they became further. Which actually the the, the second um, the E is is a U, um, and then they Phil oh. Lesh had his own band called Phil Lesh and Friends, which had a couple of them in there. Bob Weir had Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers, um, and then they eventually just became the Dead, those that were left. Oh, um, no, no no grateful. And then today's current lineup, of course, is Dead and Company, which I mentioned is oh, three of the originals. So Mickey and and Bill, the two drummers, are still in it. Bob Weir, Bob Weir and the- then Jeff, I think, is, I think you pronounce it Cimente. Um, he's a, he used to tour with uh, the Allman Brothers. Oh, um, not, not way back, right, but like right, in, right. The, in the, the 90s, new yeah. iteration. He's an awesome um, keyboardist. Huh. And then uh, O'Teal, uh, he plays bass. He's a fantastic bassist, and he does uh, some of the vocals, too, some of the more delicate stuff that Jerry did. Just so, I mean, you guys would have really loved the show. Wow, that's cool. All right, so... I convinced you at least a little uh, bit. Yeah, for sure. Have I? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Okay, because I was worried that I wasn't. No, no, no. I was absolutely. worried. I have such a bigger, deeper appreciation for what they do and who they were. For but sure. I got, but I had I had one more bullet left in the gun, just in case. <laughs> and you, we can take you out on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, because Wait, is this how you want to take me out? This is it? I, I want to take, right. I wanna take you out. I'm enjoying this so much. All right, yeah, go ahead. Um, so we'll start playing this. But All right. this last bullet in the gun, um, this... I saw them play this as the encore in Pittsburgh. This is not the version of it. Okay. It's not as clean. All right. Um, but oh. uh, it's from one of your most famous artists. One of your most favorite artists. Holy smokes. Most. Absolutely. This is, is from this Richmond Van Col- the Man? This is Van the Man. Richmond Calls, CM Richmond, Virginia. Is this Virginia, Gloria? November 1st, 1985. No this way. is Gloria. Here to go out on this? That's brilliantly done. Going out with this. Wow. Let me hear. There's some of that more of that folky stuff. Oh, nice. Bob on, on yeah. You know she comes around. Just about five feet fella. I love it. Going head on up to the ground. 
wish he Holy smokes. I'm glad that you got some appreciation. Again, I didn't so find the original much. stuff. Some, someday we'll have to go over the original stuff. What What is the original stuff? Is it more like this, but stuff that they yeah, wrote? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's not totally different. Like, and these are one offs, nope, right? So nope. it's in the same genre yeah. of all of this that you play. The, these are their roots, man. This is, this is how they're written. Really well done. I appreciate them so much more. I appreciate you doing this. This is awesome. I learned so much, and I will definitely go down. We're going next year, (laughs) right? When they're back. They're going to come back. (laughs) All right, that's it. Then on that, we will say thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Wait a minute, wait a minute.